Hello everyone and happy new year. This is the beginning of new things. This is a new era and I'm celebrating two years of stories about fear this month. How exciting. And I have this wonderful special guest that I can relate to in such a grand way because it's celebrating time, isn't it? My wonderful guest, Teresa Destrebeck, is going to tell us a bit about the amazing world of books. And let me tell you before I get emotional that books have maybe saved my mind more than a couple of times. So what an amazing opportunity to stick with us until the end because you are going to love this wonderful talk in episode number 64. Read your way to fulfillment. Just a few words about my wonderful guest all the way from Western Europe, although she's an American. <laughs> what a great combination. I have just uh, recently been traveling a bit as well. So it's just amazing to see this American side of Europe here as well. After spending over a decade in traditional education and education leadership and another decade coaching individuals, Teresa now combines the two to create, lead, and facilitate book-centered learning communities. And I have got to say that Teresa is the only entrepreneur that I know that does this. What an amazing activity. Teresa, welcome. Please tell us everything about your amazing activity and what do books mean to you? Okay. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me here. Um, you said tell you everything. I think that would probably take us a very long time. So I will keep it brief instead. Um, so my my company is called Emerge Book Circles. And the reason for the word emerge is because our learning isn't it's something that we need to cultivate and we need to, to grow and let emerge like a seed. So when something comes into us, a seed is planted, but we need to give it time and space and sunlight and water and nourishment in order for it to really grow and emerge from the ground. And so when you read a book, you have lots of different seeds but what most of us do is we read a book and then we finish it and put it on the shelf and we pick up another book, which also has a collection of seeds. And sometimes, and more often than not, those seeds get left without nourishment. So I created an entire business around really nourishing those seeds and reading deeper rather than faster. And also reading in community with other people because what I see in a seed and what you see in a seed are totally different. And so sometimes what I need is your perspective. I need to hear from you what you're getting from these seeds or what you're seeing, what kind of seeds you're picking up, because they might not be the same for me. And I feel that we can learn so much when we engage in dialogue and communication with other people. 
And the whole book circle, the whole way that I lead book circles is really about creating generative conversations. So I'm not a trainer. I am not there to, you know, impart wisdom on you. I am there to hold space so that you can find the own wisdom within yourself as it connects to the book and as it connects to your colleagues or the other readers in the group. Wow, Teresa, I expected our talk to be special, but not to this extent. This is absolutely beautiful. Oh my God. It just reminds me that beautiful people need time to grow and to to nourish. Oh my God, this is beautiful. I did not <laughs> expect to be... <laughs> to be emotional now, but this beautiful metaphor that you used just uh, reminds me to have patience with ourselves mm -hmm. more than anything. Teresa, what did you just do? <laughs> <laughs> you are amazing. Oh my God. These are tears of um, joy to be hearing such a beautiful perspective. So my dear, before I get uh, more emotional, <laughs> can you please tell us about your amazing story? How did you get to have such a deep understanding of books and people and personal development? Mm. The story... So my original career was in education. So traditional education, I was a school teacher and I wanted to serve people and learning has always been a huge part of my world. And I wanted to help people to learn and I wanted to help some of the people who struggled the most. And so my teaching started in some of the not, I would say the most disadvantaged neighborhoods of Boston. And then I moved into teaching children with special needs and teaching um, students who had moved to the United States and didn't teach English, didn't speak English or read or write or anything. So my teaching was always around that kind of area of people who had some sort of disadvantage. And as I was teaching, I saw how leadership could be done differently. And so I eventually moved into educational leadership. And That's when I was tested because I had the title of leader, but I wasn't actually being a leader. Leader, I had kind of a big ego and I had a bit of a judgmental side, a bit self-righteous, a bit comparative, a bit, I could do this better. I know this better. And after a few years in leadership, that all came to a head and I had to reckon with my own self. And I eventually resigned from being in educational leadership and I sought out a coach and I read tons of books and I did meditation courses and I did therapy and I just immersed myself in the world of personal growth and development for myself because I needed to let go of anger and resentment and righteousness and all these things that had been leading me for so long. Um, I grew up in a really competitive family. 
a family full of achievers and like very much like this is where success lies. And it was somewhere out there. And, uh, I was chasing that and my ego came along for the ride for most of it. And so through this downfall of my, you know, career in traditional education, I re, you know, kind of was reborn. So I got a coach. I ended up becoming a coach. Um, I ended up leading people through a program that I called the bad boss detox, which was around supporting people to handle the emotional side and building confidence after struggling with a manager. But a huge part of that was really facing themselves. Wow. And because that's what I had to go through. I was in a situation where I said, oh, I have such a horrible boss. But in the end, that boss was the best teacher. She was the catalyst for me to get into the world of personal growth and development and professional, which then led into working with more leaders and working within organizations. And, you know, I don't think we can compartmentalize our lives. So although we often talk about personal development, it, it goes into professional development. So if things are not happening well for us personally, and we're bringing our ego to work every day, then we need to face that. And that's what I had to face. So, yeah, so that's my journey. Um, and then eventually from coaching, I got into book circles because I missed the community aspect and I missed, I wanted to create a sense of community around books where we weren't looking to one person to be the coach, right? Where we could all be there supporting each other. So it was peer to peer support using books as the medium for that. So books are the foundation of the conversation, but it's really peer-to-peer -peer support and shifting perspectives and thinking again and challenging one another and doing so in community. Wow, you have said something that I am very much digesting even now. I mean, um, this time of my life where I truly understand that how you do one thing, you do them all. So what you have just said that everything basically applies in every area of your life. It's not like you can have an amazing time with your family and business is awful. Something needs to be shifted there. We need to find that middle ground to find that um, way of centering ourselves. And as you mentioned, ego, Teresa... I'm sure that most of our followers, if not all, because I'm still working on this, what would you say the first step in dealing with our ego would be? I would say knowing when he or she or they show up. So what are the triggers? So in some of the work that I did, we talked about my defense mechanisms which is very much aligned to some of the work on Brene Brown with what she calls shame shields. So really understanding for me, what are the situations or who are the people that trigger me or initiate me to put up some sort of shield? And that shield comes directly from my ego. So one of my defense mechanisms is called the righteous ice cream. And that's where within my own head, I put myself on a pedestal above you and I look down my nose at you and I judge you for all the ways that you are not as good as me. And really this comes from a place of my own lack of worthiness. So I'm doing this to compensate so that I can feel better for myself, better about myself. 
And so that's one of them. Another one is called the frenzied martyr. And she comes up when I'm trying to prove myself, when I'm trying to show how amazing I am. So I run around ragged, trying to make other people like me. And so knowing when she shows up. And what's interesting is these defense mechanisms, A, I've named them, which makes it really easy for them. So they're like a persona within me. But um, knowing them, creating a relationship with them allows me to see them more clearly and allows me to kind of have a conversation with them and talk them off the edge and say, hey, you know, I know you're here to protect me, but I got this. And then I can use some of my other tools. Okay, Teresa, when did we sign up for this amazing masterclass <laughs> on ego and personal <laughs> development? Because this is so much more than I had expected from this. I knew it would be an amazing talk about books and leadership and what gives you energy and light. But this is amazing information. And I'm sure that everyone listening to us will want to at least have a talk with you. And at the end of our talk, for sure. You need to tell us, Teresa, where can we get in touch with you? Where can we see your work? And until then, I am enjoying the word leadership as you describe it. If someone is young, at the beginning of their entrepreneurial journey, and let's face it, we all want to be leaders. How do you spot, Teresa, that fine line between the ego, as you said, wanting to prove yourself? And really wanting to help people because leadership, I believe that if you're not present, it can turn into something pretty much negative for both the leader and the people that they are keeping under their um, wisdom, so to say. So when is that fine line? Where do you spot leadership and when does ego get in control? So one of the biggest questions that I, or the, the one question that I ask myself when I'm going down a path or when I'm fighting for something or trying to create something is, am I doing this to be right? Or am I doing this because it is right? So when you're, I'm doing this to be right, that's all ego driven. Whereas when I'm doing something because I believe it is right, that's coming from my place of my values. That's coming from what I believe is important. And that's the distinction. And sometimes it's hard to see, but simply, simply asking the question will, mm, it triggers me into reflection. And sometimes it's a combination of both. Wow. But sometimes it's really easy for me to say, oh, gosh, no, I'm doing this because I want to be right. Okay, so where am I then? What do I need in that moment to feel more worthy so that I don't have to do something just to feel good about myself or to be right? Beautifully said completely relatable and I think that you're giving our listeners some food for thought now because I'm sure that I'm going to take a few minutes after our talk to just analyze all of these amazing wisdom bobs and I am taking notes and I would like to tell our audience even if you're watching us on YouTube or listening to us on Spotify to grab a piece of paper and Write down everything that comes to your mind with these amazing, <laughs> unbelievable 
things that Teresa is sharing so generously with us today. Teresa, now about ego, do you think that we can say that, okay, I am keeping my ego under control, I've done the work, or is it an ongoing process? Is it something that we work on every day? It's an ongoing process, for sure. I I don't think that any of us are ever going to like be on the mountaintop and be the guru and decide that we, our ego is is done that we've you know we can dust off and say I've done that work I'm beyond this um my I mean I've been doing this work for a while and my ego still catches up with me all the time and sometimes in moments when I least expect it or sometimes it's not even I don't even notice it sometimes my husband has to point it out and then I'm like, oh, and then I just have to sit with that. Is that really coming from my ego? Yeah, maybe there's some truth to that. Wow. Okay. I expected that, but I just <laughs> wanted to be sure that since everything is pretty much new, we do get to encounter many new experience on a daily basis. So we just cannot expect to know it all. So maybe just being more gentle more patient with ourselves would be such a great start to making sure that it's our values, as you so beautifully said, leading us, not ego. I think for me, it's about what are the questions we're asking ourselves as well? And are we giving ourselves time to sit with those questions? Are we really creating space in our lives? Or are we so focused on doing, doing, doing that we're not really allowing ourselves to be in the mystery, be in the wonder, be in reflection? Um, because we're not, yeah, our, our world is so fast paced now and there's so much noise out there and there's so many things drawing our attention. And so I have to be really intentional about what am I doing? So Going back to the idea of books, when I read a book and I underline something, which so many people do, I turn that underline into a question and then I spend time answering it. So I don't keep reading. I pause. Okay, this person wrote this down. What question does this evoke in me? How would I answer this question right now? So it's not about taking notes from a book, but it's about making something different. It's about making that connection from the text to your life. So when it goes to, you know, comes to ego, you know, sitting with that question, is this coming from my ego? Is this about being right? What is hooked here? Where is my defense mechanism coming in? Is, am I being triggered by something? So like all these kinds of questions that I'm constantly asking myself. I love it so much. And you did mention at the beginning of our talk that it's not a quick read instead of getting people to read more it's basically analyze more and Teresa this just goes against social media and what we see out there I read 30 books this year okay you read them but have you truly taken time to analyze them as you said to underline a word a sentence to ask yourself a question because we see so much quantity. But it's not about that. It's about quality. I love it. This is such a great perspective that you are offering us. And I fell into this trap a few years ago. I just wanted to read one book per 
week, which was kind of nice. You do get to get, you do have some nice insights, but it's not that wonderful time that you take with yourself to really analyze and understand what is this truly teaching me? As you said, is it triggering me? So I am so happy that you are mentioning this. And I'm pretty sure that since you are such an amazing book and reading uh, advocate, what's your favorite book? What books do you recommend to us? One of my favorite books of all time is The Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz. And The Four Agreements come from the Toltec tradition. And they're essentially just a way to live. So people would say maybe it's a little bit, you know, it's perfect, I can't speak, personal growth and development as opposed to, so it's not necessarily a book that I would recommend to any of my corporate clients per se, because they're more practical, but it's a book that I go back to every year. And in certain situations, I go back to it because I know that I need it. So I'm just going to leave it at that. But because I don't want to tell you what the four agreements are, because I want to entice you to go. But essentially, they're just four ways, you know, if you could live by any code at all, these would be the four codes. And there's actually a fifth one now, but I think the four beginning ones are the best. Wonderful. Thank you for this great recommendation. I'm going to really have a look at this book and purchase it within the following weeks, because... It's so strange that I have not heard about this book, but as you talk about it, Mm -hmm. I'm sure that uh, our listeners will want to get a hold of it as well. So thank you so much for this. And, um, you know, since we are stories about fear, although you have mentioned far more interesting things than fear (laughs) today, (laughs) changing the format for our uh, talk today, I wanted to ask you, Teresa... You did move from the U.S. to Europe. You are an entrepreneur. How do you see fear? How do you deal with it? And has it maybe taught you anything? So how do I see fear? Fear is natural. Fear is part of the human condition. So all this talk about being fearless, I don't I don't live that way. I don't live by that. I think that... We need to be fear aware, but not necessarily fearless. And I'm a pretty adventurous person. And so I think my relationship with fear is perhaps different than some other people's, but that doesn't necessarily mean that I don't experience fear. I still am afraid, but I often will act despite that fear. It's recognizing the fear and wondering and saying, what are you trying to protect me from? What are you trying to save me from? And then once I kind of have that little conversation with fear, then I can often act. And so my response to fear is often in action. So if I think about an email that I supposed to, I'm supposed to send, like, mm, I'm going to raise my prices in 2024. I should probably let my clients know, mm, but I haven't sent that email. There's fear there. So just acknowledging it, oh yeah, I'm afraid to send this client this email because I'm afraid. What am I exactly afraid of? I'm afraid, you know, and then just going through that. And again, questions. So you brought up my move from the United States to Europe. And for me, 
there was fear, but it was more of a sense of adventure and excitement. So, you know, one of the things that I find really interesting is that excitement and fear manifest in the body in the exact same way. So whether you're afraid or whether you're excited, your heart's going to race a little more. You're going to get a little sweaty. You're potentially going to be a little tingly. You know, that those are, your body responds to them in the same way. And so how you label it, I think, can be really impactful for how you're actually experiencing it. Wow. Thank you for this insight. I love it. It's fear aware, not fearless, because it's just a part of us that we need to acknowledge, understand and embrace. And I just am enjoying how you keep mentioning the power of the questions that we need to ask ourselves. This is, I think, personal development at its finest. You don't need necessarily a coach to guide you, although yes, I'm all for coaches, they're amazing, but this is something that anyone can do by themselves, get this amazing book, get the four agreements, start underlying your best words, your best sentences, and start asking yourself questions. What great insight, Teresa. Enjoying our talk so much, learning from you so much. I've literally put down some amazing wisdom bombs here on this piece of paper, and I'm so grateful. Teresa, before we go today, can you please let us know, where can we get in touch with you? Where can we see your work? How can our audience collaborate with you and start understanding more of the amazing book universe that you are putting out there that's highly different than what we see on social media? So I am not a big social media person. So... um You know, my motto for my business is read deeper, not faster. But I think you could take out read and put live, live deeper, not faster. Um, So the only social media that I'm actually on is LinkedIn from a business perspective. So if you search for my name, Teresa with an H and Destrebeck is D-E-S-T-R-E-B-E-C-Q, but I'm sure you'll have it in the notes. Um, And then... Uh, you can find me on my website, Emerge Book Circles with an S dot com. And that's pretty much it. I keep it simple. Love it, Teresa. And indeed, everyone is going to see all your details in the description of the video of the Spotify audio. And I am truly grateful for you taking your time to make me cry. You have made me emotional today. <laughs> this was amazing. And I have to thank you for the depth of your energy for who you are, for how you have mingled with your ego. I cannot say that you have control it because as you said earlier, it's just an amazing work in progress. And it's actually fun when your husband tells you, Teresa, um, a bit of a awareness here, please. I love it. I get that too from my husband. So it's just fun to analyze and what you just said to leave, just leave deeper, not faster. I think it applies to everything and how you do one thing, you do them all, as we said earlier. Thank you for your amazing wisdom and energy today, Teresa. You are welcome. Thank you very much for having me. And listeners, please don't be afraid about reaching out. I love to connect with new people. Definitely have a talk with Teresa and uh, 
she may get you emotional. Don't say I didn't warn you. <laughs> but this is some um, amazing awareness that you are going to experience. Teresa, again, thank you so much. Thank you very much, Roxana.